Hi friends, I'm Tierney. I'm Katie. And I'm Shelby. And we're Dead Dead Drunk. Hey guys, we're here for a tierney. What did we call it? Tiernisode? Uh, no. Episode knee. An episode knee! <laughs> so we're here for an episode knee. And today we are going to cover the case of Elliot Roger. Dun dun dun. I'm so excited to cover this case because I remember when it happened and I was younger and my cousin and I would constantly watch his videos on YouTube, which is, like, super messed up now that I'm thinking about it. But at the time, we were really upset. It was probably, like, the first true crime video I ever watched. I have a lot of quotes. I have a lot of sound bites for you. And I'm super excited. Hi, guys. Please excuse this little weird segment with horrible audio. Um, We forgot to actually record the drink because we've been slacking because alcohol tends to be an issue. So I'm going to teach you how to make this drink. What you're going to do is you're going to grab a shaker and you're going to fill it on up with ice. You're going to pop in one ounce of mango pineapple vodka. And then I like to add a splash of regular vodka on top of that because who doesn't like more alcohol? Then you're going to add one ounce of orange juice and then one ounce of pineapple juice because I love pineapple juice. You're going to pop on the lid and shake it on up. Then you're going to grab a martini glass, and you're going to pop in a little cherry on the bottom. And then you're going to grab some grenadine, just do a little drop of that right at the bottom. And then you're going to carefully pop that little shaken mixture right on top of the grenadine, so it gets a little cute, little sunset-type feel to it. And you're going to pop that with some champagne, because who doesn't like champagne? Okay, back to the regular scheduled programming and better audio. Okay, so without further ado, let's jump into My Twisted World, the story of Elliot Roger. Dun, dun, dun. What a title. Yeah, that's a really good title. <laughs> Did you practice this? No. Oh. <laughs> you will find out where that title is from as we continue with the story. Elliot Oliver Robertson Roger was born in London, England on July 24th, 1991. His father, Peter Roger, was a photographer at the time, but he would later go on to have a career as a director in Hollywood. His most famous thing that he's worked on was that he was an assistant director for the Hunger Games franchise. Oh, that's pretty cool. Elliot's mother also had a little bit of fame. Her name was Chin Roger, and she was of Chinese descent, but she moved to England at a young age to work as a nurse on film sets. Chin became friends during this time with well-known Hollywood directors, such as George Lucas, who she dated for a short amount of time and Steven Spielberg. So although she was using birth control, Chin became pregnant with Elliot a few years after her and Peter were married. Because of that situation, Elliot referred to himself as an accident for his parents. At age five, Elliot's family moved to the United States, and this is when he has his first encounter with girls. Elliot describes girls as being a foreign species to him, saying that he originally had no interest in them, but he viewed them as other He had one female friend named Maddie, which he would later describe as ironic because, in his words, she was the first and last female friend he would ever have. 
He did have a younger sister, but he was never able to bond with her. Instead, he viewed her as competition and threw tantrums whenever he had to share something with her. That's healthy. Yeah. Which I get at a young age, but this was a pattern throughout his life, like when he was older still. So the way Elliot talks about his early years sets up a sense of entitlement for him. He talked about a time where he had a birthday party and his parents served his friend a piece of cake before him and he threw a tantrum because he thought he deserved the first piece. And he would throw a lot of tantrums just like this because they were always rewarded. His parents would always give in and always give him what he wanted whenever he threw a fit. Oh, that's healthy. Not healthy. I know way too many parents like this. Yeah, it's not (laughs) great parenting, but, you know, they were doing what they had to do. I don't know. It will become more obvious as we get further into this story that he views himself as more important than other people. He thinks that he is the perfect man, and he is enraged when women don't feel this way about him, too. At age six, Elliot begins to notice that he is smaller than the other boys and deems his height as injustice. He talks about a time that he was denied the chance to ride on a roller coaster because he was too short and how this is so unfair to him because he deserved to. Didn't they know who he was? He was the perfect specimen. How dare they deny him? This would become a pattern for Elliot also. That's insane. Like, I get the whole being pissed off because you're not tall enough because I feel that, but like, nah. But he saw it as like personal. Yeah. It wasn't like this is the height requirement. I don't meet it. It was like, how could they do this to me? He also began to start mentioning when he noticed young boys that were more talented or happier than him and constantly referred to it as an injustice. That was like his favorite word. He says, in his own words, jealousy and envy, those are the two feelings that would dominate my entire life and bring me immense pain. So he was like super dramatic. Oh my God. I don't know what he looks like, but jumping to my mind is that kid that started using eyeliner in middle school. Here, you know what? I'm going to show you a picture of him, and why don't you try to describe him to our listeners? Okay. Fair enough. Oh. Oh, no, oh. that's not what I was picturing. No. This looks like a regular person. Yeah. He and looks really full of himself. Like, I could tell that his tongue is, in, like, on his lips to make his lips look bigger. He's, like, <laughs> sucking in his cheeks to give yeah, him more definition. Gonna... Oh, wait, um, is he? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the Brits, they have those beautiful cheek lines. He is half English and half Chinese. I don't know. But when I first saw him, I like didn't think he was that unattractive. He's not horrible, but like his personality definitely makes him absolutely hideous. Well, yeah, but I mean, and I think like Patrick it, would find him attractive. Yeah, yeah. that yeah. <laughs> so this so, is a selfie, and it definitely looks like he's just like, look at how hot I am. So I'm immediately annoyed. I don't know, <laughs> but he's not me. like an unattractive guy. Yeah. No. Okay. So, at age seven, Elliot's parents divorced, and his father found a new girlfriend very quickly. Elliot assumed that this meant his father was worthy of admiration, and this is the first time we see him viewing women as a status symbol, but it will not be the last. Roger mentions that his mother's new apartment is quote-unquote poor. In reality, it wasn't, but he thought he deserved more. He casually tells us that his mother and his sister share a room while he has his own room in her two-bedroom apartment. It's probably what he demanded from them, and since he always got his way, that's just how it was, but I don't know anyone that's like, oh yeah, my mom and sister share a room so I can have my own room. That's sickening. Usually the parent gets their own room. Right. Yeah. At age nine, Elliot realizes that he is not considered cool at school. This obviously angers him because he doesn't understand why other children don't realize how amazing he is. 
Probably because of that. You know who he reminds me of now? <laughs> Eric Cartman. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Cartman has the exact same problem. Oh my gosh, he's not the coolest kid in school. Mm. So he quits playing Pokemon, even though he loves it. Why? It's sick. Because it's apparently not cool. Girls would have been into him. It is now. He also takes up skateboarding because he thinks that'll make him more chill. (laughs) And he actually developed a love for skateboarding, but he later abandoned it because he noticed that there were boys that were younger than him that were better at it. And since he couldn't handle that, he quit. Oh, man. He was very threatened by boys, especially ones that were younger than him, that were doing better than him or just the same as him. That's lovely. That's Um, a gross way to live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He also changed his clothes and his hairstyle during the summer before fifth grade. He says, for the first week of fifth grade, I was at my mother's house. I considered myself to be very cool by now. I had gotten better at skateboarding. I had blonde hair and I dressed like a skateboarder. I felt great anticipation for what the cool kids would think of me once they saw my transformation. To my disappointment, no one really cared. They were all in their own worlds. I don't remember any kids showing recognition of my new coolness. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, this is is written. These are his his exact words. These are, coolness is said so many times. Eventually, I was regarded differently than I was in fourth grade, which I became content with. The cool kids talked to me more, and I started hanging out with them during recess and lunch. So it's important to note that at this time, he wasn't being bullied or ostracized at all, that other children weren't really mean to him. He just thought that he should be more popular than he was. That makes sense. So they would say hi to him and whatever, but they like didn't ask him to hang out, and they didn't like sit with him at lunch. Elliot also mentions that being half Asian makes him feel insecure. And it turns into an intense racism toward anyone that is less white than he is. He would give reasons like he's half Mexican or he's half black as reasons that a child should have less status than him. Ah, shit. He does end up saying even more racist things as the story goes on, but I'm going to skip them because they're just horrible. So just know that Elliot is a racist and it's a disgusting way to think, obviously, but it's also a reflection of his own insecurities about his race. At age 11, Elliot starts to realize that something else that makes kids cool is when girls like them. He's not yet attracted to girls, but he desperately wants to be liked by them because he wants to be popular. Elliot talks about going on vacations and being treated to lavish things. However, they're never enough for him. When his family takes him to Morocco, he complains that they didn't have the latest video games there. I'm sorry. Are you kidding me? No. I, no family vacation was to Morocco. Yeah. Are you Wait, kidding I, me? So nothing he receives is good enough for him. And basically he's a brat. But his parents are the ones that allowed him to be that way because they always mm-hmm. did whatever he said. Yeah. So Elliot and his friends used to go to a place called Planet Cyber, which was an internet cafe that you could go to and use the computers at. Elliot began to go there alone, even without the boys from school, when he was lonely to kind of reminisce on the times that he had friends. And this is where he saw his first porno. In his own words, one time, while I was alone at Planet Cyber, I saw an older teenager watching pornography. I saw in detail a video of a man having sex with a hot girl. The video showed him stick his penis inside a girl's vagina. I didn't know anything about sex at the time. I barely even knew what sex was. I was slowly starting to develop sexual feelings for hot girls, but I didn't know what to do with them. To see this video really traumatized me. I had no idea what I was seeing. 
I couldn't imagine human beings doing such things with each other. The sight was shocking, traumatizing, and arousing. All of these feelings mixed together took a great toll on me. I walked home and cried by myself for a bit. I felt too guilty about what I saw to talk to my parents about it. I was quite shaken for a few days. This was among the very first glimpses I had of sex. Finding out about sex is one of the things that truly destroyed my entire life. Sex. The very word fills me with hate. Once I hit puberty, I would always want it, like any other boy. I would always hunger for it. I would always covet it. I would always fantasize about it, but I would never get it. Not getting any sex is what will shape the very foundation of my miserable youth. <laughs> can't stop crying. I know. Shelby is beat red. Well, I have a lot more crying. quotes to get through. Oh my gosh. That's definitely nobody's real reaction to porn. No. Oh my god. <laughs> At age 13, Elliot says other kids started to make fun of him, but he only cared when girls would do it, not when the guys at school would do it, just the girls. That's fair. He says, I became known as the weird kid at Pinecrest, and people started to make fun of me, but I didn't care. I had my online games to distract me from the harsh realities of life that I was too scared to face. (laughs) The only time I did care was when a group of popular 7th grade girls started teasing me, which hurt a lot. One of these girls was Monette Moyo, a pretty blonde girl who was Ashton's younger sister. She must have thought I was an ultimate loser. I hated her so much, and I will never forget her. I started to hate all girls because of this. I saw them as mean, cruel, and heartless creatures that took pleasure from my suffering. Oh, hell yeah. This sounds like the narration over his serial killer movie, like <laughs> Elliot Rogers, you. And then he replaces Joe in the new season. And yeah. <laughs> he continues. <clears throat> the way I was treated by girls this time, especially by that evil bitch, Monette Moyo, sparked an inherent fear of girls. The funny part of this is that I had a secret crush on Monette. She was the first girl I ever had a crush on, and I never admitted it to anyone. To be teased and ridiculed by the girl I had a crush on wounded me deeply. So that was age 13. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) Age 14, Elliot finally hits puberty. Oh, good for him. This is when he begins to have sexual feelings toward girls for the first time. So now not only are girls a status symbol to him, but they're also a sexual object. Elliot starts to become extremely jealous of the boys that girls give attention to, obviously. He talks about one time in particular where a boy called him a loser right in front of the boy's girlfriend. He says, yes, he had girls with him, pretty girls, and they didn't seem to mind that he was such an evil bastard. In fact, I bet they liked him for it. This is how girls are, and I was starting to realize it. This is what truly opened my eyes to how brutal the world is. The most meanest and depraved of men come out on top, and the women flock to those men. Their evil acts are rewarded by women, while the good, decent men are laughed at. It is sick, twisted, and wrong in every way. I hated these girls, even more than the bullies because of this. The sheer cruelty of the world around me was so intense that I will never recover from the mental scars. Any experience I ever had before never traumatized me as much as this. 
nothing's really happened to him at this point no nothing no. did like he it's not baby. like it's not like he went to a girl and was like hi do you want to date me and she said no like th- even she that hasn't even like, happened to him Ha-ha. no his life is pretty great he's yeah. had some minor bullying maybe and he's seen part of a pornography and he's yeah. rich like his parents tr- like, like do everything for him you know what yeah. i mean he's never wanted for anything in his life yeah and which i guess shows you money doesn't buy happiness but i know and he's just blowing everything out of proportion which everybody does in high school but this is a little extreme yeah you're right the on way that. he talks about it is just comically yeah. disgusting yeah it's <laughs> really hard like not to laugh about it to oh be yeah 100 and it's like super dark and is gonna get even darker but it's ridiculous the way he's writing about it because we've all been through stuff like this and didn't take it to that extreme mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know So Elliot obviously could not stand that other boys were having sex and he wasn't. This made him hate women because he couldn't understand why they wouldn't want to have sex with him. (laughs) I actually have audio of Elliot speaking about this. And so I will play that for you right now. Ever since I've hit puberty, I've been forced to endure an existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires. All because girls have never been attracted to me. Girls gave their affection and sex and love to other men, but never to me. I'm 22 years old and I'm still a virgin. I've never even kissed a girl. I've been through college for two and a half years. More than that, actually. And I'm still a virgin. That has been very torturous. College is the time when everyone experiences those things such as sex and fun and and pleasure. But in those years I've had to rot in loneliness. It's not fair. You girls have never been attracted to me. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me. But I will punish you all for it. It's an injustice, a crime, because I don't know what you don't see in me. I'm the perfect guy. And yet you throw yourselves at all these obnoxious men instead of me, the supreme gentleman. I will punish all of you for it. Oh yeah. Wait, did oh, you hear okay. that part at the end? Can no. you just play that one more back? Play the play the back. Oh. <laughs> he does that a lot. It's like an evil laugh. The rest of Elliot's writing is more of the same. He talks about countless times that kids were younger than him and were hooking up with girls that were his age, and he's embarrassed and angered by this. Elliot's family then moves to Santa Barbara, and Elliot makes a decision. If he moves and the people in Santa Barbara are just as cruel and unjust, That will be the last straw. Spoiler alert, they were. Elliot's anger becomes even worse, and he starts to become enraged when seeing random couples out in public. He even once became so angry that he threw a drink at people just because they looked happy together. (laughs) Mood. Yeah, right. He talked about how he would have fantasies of entering their house while they were having sex and slashing both of them to death with his knife. That's not healthy and that's not okay. Nope, so he's like escalating a little bit. No, a A little bit. bit. So Elliot now decides that he needs to make an effort to lose his virginity now. So what does he do? He decides 
to go to Domino's oh, and yeah, sit 100%. at a table by himself and just hope that a girl will come talk to him. That's, That's the strangest way to pick up a girl. He does this kind of thing often. He'll go to Domino's and sit there and just like hope that somebody comes and talks to him. That's a hot girl. And then ask himself why he never gets a hot girl. Right. Like, there are so many other ways to, like, meet a girl, right? That's not even a way to meet no, a girl. No, I know. If I went to Domino's to pick up my pizza and there was just a guy sitting there by himself, like, hello, hello. I'd be like, hmm, <laughs> nope. And then as you leave, the Domino's employee just hears, she will pay for this. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, spoiler alert. Nobody comes up to him and talks to him. He doesn't find a girlfriend this way. And so he continues to throw drinks at happy couples instead. Yeah, makes sense. That's like kind of his thing. As these situations escalate, as we've seen, Elliot decides that he is going to plan a day of retribution. Well, that's never great. I'm going to insert another clip of him talking about his plans of this day. On the day of retribution, I am going to enter... The hottest sorority house of UCSB. And I will slaughter every single spoiled, stuck-up, blonde slut I see inside there. All those girls that I've desired so much, they would have all rejected me and looked down upon me as an inferior man if I ever made a sexual advance towards them. while they throw themselves at these obnoxious brutes. I'll take great pleasure in slaughtering all of you. You will finally see that I am, in truth, the superior one, the true alpha male. <laughs> He sounds like he's reading from a really slow prompter. <laughs> what, can I? Can I, I just? Know. He's like contemplating everything he says. He's like, and in the video, which obviously we can't put on our podcast, he's sitting there and he's like looking around. He's like touching his chin, and he just keeps going. <laughs> so Elliot plans this day for about two years. In the meantime, he attends the Hunger Games premiere with his father. This is what he remembers of it. I didn't own any suits. Oh God. But I wore my extravagant Hugo Boss shirt, which I thought looked elegant enough to walk on the black carpet. The black carpet. <laughs> As we were lining up for our walk on the black carpet, black some carpet. dumb bitch of a security guard had the audacity to question who the hell are these people. This made me so enraged that I almost said, we are the people who are more important than you, you ugly cunt. Yeah. Not his words, not mine. <clears throat> But Soyama's publicist calmly informed her of our invitation. We then proceeded to walk across the long black carpet as cameras flashed at us from one side, and a crowd of pathetic fans who reminded me of sheep cheered from the other side. They weren't cheering for you, friend. I felt extremely gratified walking on the black carpet with Father and Soyama. That's his um, 
Stepmother. Oh, stepmother. They're married. Yay. And I cockily smiled at all of the stupid fans who had to remain on the side, Cockley. rubbing it right in their faces. Oh, my gosh. That's there awesome. were some actors and celebrities on the carpet with us, and the paparazzi yelled at me a few times to get me out of the way as they were taking pictures of some cunt actresses. Well, no, they were important. I discreetly gave those paparazzi pigs my middle finger. Well, that's... Elliot Roger will not move aside for a stupid, good-for-nothing, over-glorified actress, whoever the fuck she was. So, as you can see, Elliot starts to get more and more aggressive with his hatred. He literally hates all women. So, Elliot decides before the Day of Retribution that he's going to give women one last chance. So, basically, one last chance in the dominoes where he was just well no oh he decides this time that instead of a domino's because that's not really working out for him that he's gonna go to a house party (gasps) Ooh! at this party he sees an asian man talking to a white girl and because he's racist this really really angers him because this guy is less white than he is he's also asian but he's only half asian so he's still white but this guy is completely asian So he goes over to them and ends up insulting them. And then he goes outside and tries to push all the other happy couples off a ledge. And in the struggle, he himself is pushed off the ledge and ends up with a broken leg. So he tries to leave the party. And then when he's gone, he realizes that his expensive sunglasses are left behind. So he goes back to get them. And when he returns, he gets the shit beat out of him by the rest of the people that are still at the party. So that like super backfired for him. Because of his broken leg, he does postpone the day of retribution. Even though it's postponed, though, he is now completely ready and is not going to turn back. Well, that's not great. He also now starts talking about including his brother and his stepmother and murdering them on the day of retribution. Why his brother? Because his brother is younger than him, but he has a girlfriend. Ooh. This is all so stupid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is is the stupidest reason. (laughs) Yep. To go on a rampage. This is yeah. just... Uh. I feel like people have done less for it. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's really important to mention that during this time, his parents are constantly trying to help him. They realize that he's, like, not okay mentally. And he had been seeing a therapist for a really long time. And his parents had been trying to treat his mental health for years. Okay. So everyone was doing everything right. Yes. And he was just, like, too far gone, yeah. basically. So... His mother bought him a brand new BMW to try to make him feel more confident. However, this ended up being a mistake that she would later regret. So I am now going to give you all a trigger warning. Mm. Because this is when Elliot illustrates his plans for the day of retribution. So I'm just going to chug. So Elliot breaks down this day into three phases. Phase one. In his words... The first phase will represent my vengeance against all of the men who have had pleasurable sex lives while I've had to suffer. Things will be fair once I make them suffer as I did. I will finally even the score. I feel like that's not going to even anything, but okay, continue. So to do this, Elliot plans to kill his two roommates. Well, no, no, take it back now. Um, He says. mm, Now, maybe rethink this option. I will cut them. Mm. Flay them. Nope. Strip all the skin off their flesh and pour boiling water over them while they are still alive. Nope. When they are dead, I will behead them and keep their heads in a bag, for their heads will play a major role in the final phase. So phase two, all of this will be in his words. The second phase will represent my war on women. 
I will punish all females for the crime of depraving me of sex. Uh. I cannot kill every single female on earth, but I can deliver a devastating blow that will shake all of them to the core of their wicked hearts. I will attack the very girls who represent everything I hate in the female gender. The hottest sorority of UCSB, which is University of California, Santa Barbara. After doing a lot of extensive research within the last year, I found that the sorority with the most beautiful girls is Alpha Phi Sorority. Alpha Phi Sorority is full of hot, beautiful, blonde girls. The kind of girls I've always desired but was never able to have because they all look down on me. They are spoiled, heartless, wicked bitches. I will sneak into their house at around 9 p.m. on the day of retribution. Oh, no. Just before the partying starts. Oh, no. (laughs) And the slaughter. Every single one of them with my guns and knives. If I have time, I will set their whole house on fire. Then we shall see who the superior one really is. (laughs) That brings us to phase three. Elliot plans to kill his younger brother to deny him the chance to surpass him and grow stronger than him. He plans to kill his stepmother in the process. So he's not exactly sure where in the chronological order it'll happen that he's going to murder his stepmother and brother, but he says that it has to happen before the rest of Phase 3. He says he will then take his car to the streets and kill as many people as he can, running them over and shooting them with his gun. After I've annihilated every single girl in the sorority house, I'll take to the streets of Isla Vista and slay every single person I see there. All those popular kids who live such lives of hedonistic pleasure while I've had to rot in loneliness for all these years, they've all looked down upon me every time I try to go out and join them. They've all treated me like a mouse. Well, now, I will be a god compared to you. You will all be animals. You are animals, and I will slaughter you like animals. So Roger is convinced that it'll make them all realize their crimes against him when he takes to the streets and murders them. He says, Once I reach Del Playa Street, I will dump the bag of severed heads I had saved from my previous victims, proclaiming to everyone how much I've made them all suffer. Once they see all of their friends' heads roll onto the street, everyone will fear me as the powerful god I am. (laughs) He says that he will then massacre a house party, targeting all of the couples that are there, and then everybody else after them. Yes, So first he's going to go to the couples, and then he's going to kill everyone else. Aww. He has some lofty dreams. separate like that so nicely i guess Mm -hmm. he realizes that when the police come he will have to die to avoid going to jail he says he's prepared to die i bet you guys are probably wondering where i've gotten all of these quotes from that i've dramatically read like it was my broadway moment they were beautiful by the way i would give you the tony thank you so he throughout this time was writing uh what is now 141 page manifesto explaining why he did what he did so no, no. one saw this not yet oh, God. but he has been writing all this down he has also been recording youtube videos he planned to upload the videos explaining why to his youtube channel in the week leading up to the attack mm. so he did this and that's where i've pulled off the audio from his channel has since been taken down but he did upload many videos 
I hate all of this. So this brings us to the week before the crime. He has mm-hmm. uploaded many videos in this week, except for the final one. And he was almost done with this manifesto. But then he got sick, so he decided that he wanted to postpone the day once again. This time he postponed it for a month. And during this time, his mother saw the YouTube videos and alerted police. Oh, yeah. I'm fuck with this. So the police came to his house, and they questioned him. And they asked him things like, are you suicidal? And he Uh. said, no. And they left. He states in his manifesto that if only they had searched his room, they would have found all of his weapons. They all would have been ruined. Can I fight everyone? But they failed to do so. Oh my god. The moral of the story is, do your fucking job. Mm-hmm. I feel like any true crime podcast has this moment, and like, it's not one moment. It's like a whole... Yeah. It's like, why didn't you search his room? You're standing in his room saying, are you feeling suicidal? Or I if, saw the creepy videos you oh, 100%. On, or on they YouTube. just took things more seriously. If they were seriously... He has also, at this point, not uploaded his final video. I'm not sure of the contents of the videos leading up, but they definitely weren't saying, on this day, I'm going to do this. Like, what we've heard. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm just letting all listeners know, Tierney's eye is twitching while (laughs) she's talking about this. It makes me so mad. (laughs) It's That's understandable. It's really infuriating. So, the final words he typed. Why do things have to be this way? I'm sure that's the question everyone will be asking after the day of retribution is over. Yep, turn down. They will all be asking why. Indeed, why? That is the question I've had for everyone throughout all of my years of suffering. Why was I condemned to live a life of misery and worthlessness while other men were able to experience the pleasures of sex and love with women? Why do things have to be this way? I ask all of you. All I ever wanted was to love women and in turn to be loved by them back. Their behavior towards me has only earned my hatred and rightfully so. I am the true victim in all of this. I am the good guy. Humanity struck me at first by condemning me to experience so much suffering. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. I didn't start this war. I wasn't the one who struck first. But I will finish it by striking back. I will punish everyone. And it will be beautiful. Finally, at long last, I can show the world my true worth. Okay, so so basically, um, Tierney gets a Tony. To I, I'll throw my entire rubber. <laughs> I had to, I had to. I feel like most of my friends have shittier lives than he did. Like, not saying that any of us had shitty lives, but, like, bro. He had nothing going against him besides the fact... He just had sex. And his parents were divorced. Not even! But he even said that when his parents got divorced, he was like, I'm sad at first, but then I realized I have two houses now. Woohoo! Your eyes touching seriously. So, that had nothing to do with anything. (laughs) So, can I point out the fact that... Literally, the only thing going against him is his shitty attitude and the way that he treats people. That's well, it. he's obviously extremely mentally ill. Yeah, he mm-hmm. should go in a, in a corner and think about what he's done. And, like, this is him getting help. Like, I can't even imagine what would have happened if his parents didn't, like, get the help for him that he needed. This guy sounds exactly like who criminally insane facilities were created for. Yeah. yeah. He sounds like my ex, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, good. Mine too, listening? though, I'm also not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> no, uh, no, 
Yeah. You did you know, you don't have That's any good. No. You don't have any Elliot Rogers in your I past. I don't. Not yet. <laughs> no one sure the next so one will none be. of your exes Let's have not. tried to kill Let's you. Not do that. No. That's amazing. <laughs> Great for tyranny. Snaps for tea. No. <laughs> okay. No, let's keep that going. Before he went and attacked all these people, he posted the final YouTube video and he emailed his manifesto to all of his family, his therapist, and any friends that he considered to be close friends to him. On the evening of May 24th, 2014, Elliot Roger killed six people and injured 14 others before killing himself inside of his BMW. Holy piss nugget. He began in his apartment where he killed his two roommates and their friend who happened to be there by stabbing them. And I'll I'll go in later about their autopsies. He then went to the sorority house and he knocked on the door. However, nobody answered. Angered by this, he turned and he shot three women that were standing outside the house, two of which would pass away. One would survive. Oh, my gosh. He then jumped into his car and began tearing down the street. He fatally shot one man who was inside a deli. No. And he hit many other pedestrians and bicyclists with his car. No. He eventually crashed his car and upon doing so shot himself dead. Mm. So his victims were George Chen, 19, Chen Wong James Hong, 20, and Wee Han David Wang, who was also 20. Those were the three people in his apartment. Outside the sorority house, he shot Catherine Brianne Cooper, who was 22, and Veronica Elizabeth Weiss, who was 19. And then the man in the deli was Christopher Ross Michaels Martinez, who was 20. They were all students at the university. Oh. Wait, no. Yeah. That's so, so terrible. Yeah. No. So I their autopsies showed how much they suffered before they were dead. I wish you'd stop talking. So Weehan Wang had 15 stab wounds and 23 incision wounds to his head. Neck, Holy chest, fuck. and back. That was both one arms of the, the three. I'm sorry, you could repeat that, but like genuinely, I knew nothing about this case, Tierney. That was one of the three. Yeah. So, Wee Han Wang had 15 stab wounds and 23 incision wounds to the head, neck, chest, back, and both arms and hands. Wow. Chang Wan Hong, who went by James, had 25 stab wounds and 12 incision wounds to his head, neck, chest, back, both arms and hands. George Chen had 94 stab wounds and 11 incision wounds directed to the head, neck, chest, back, and both arms and hands. So arms and hands is basically defensive wounds completely. I... Wow. Okay. So he just went crazy with the knife. Can I cry? Yeah, it's really messed up. Okay, great. Um, Catherine Cooper was shot eight times, including once in the left side of her head. Veronica Weiss was shot seven times in the chest and lower pelvic area. And Christopher Michaels Martinez was only shot one time in his chest. Is it okay if I hate him? Oh, yeah. Thanks. He is rotting in hell right now. But I, like, I almost feel bad because he, like, was so ill. No, I feel like... Do you know what I'm saying, though? I get that, but some people... He couldn't get the help that he needed, but he got a lot of help. Yeah. Everyone did everything right. What was the issue? Except for the police that didn't search his room. Yeah, yeah, fuck them. And it was said, (laughs) like, when it was happening, his parents looked at the news and immediately were like, yep, that's that's Elliot. Can I ask one question? Yeah. 
Did he end up killing his... No, he did not end mm-hmm. up killing his brother or stepmother. That didn't happen. I don't know why. That's great. Also, I think because he crashed his car first. I'm not sure. I hate him. And he didn't do the thing with that. He didn't sever any heads. I don't know. He just he didn't completely follow through. What really fucks me up is how many times he stabbed all of those people. Mm-hmm. That's going to keep me up tonight. By June 14th, which was graduation day at UCSB, all surviving victims, which was 14 people, had been released from the hospitals. Five attended graduation ceremonies, and UCSB awarded posthumous degrees to the six killed students. And I'm going to leave you with Elliot's last words from his final YouTube video that was uploaded to his channel. Girls, all I've ever wanted was to love you and to be loved by you. I've wanted a girlfriend. I've wanted sex. I've wanted love, affection, adoration. But you think I'm unworthy of it. That's a crime that can never be forgiven. If I can't have you, girls, I will destroy you. You denied me a happy life, and in turn, I will deny all of you life. (laughs) It's only fair. I hate all of you. Humanity is a disgusting, wretched, depraved species. If I had it in my power, I would stop at nothing to reduce every single one of you to mountains of skulls and rivers of blood. And rightfully so. You deserve to be annihilated. And I'll give that to you. You never showed me any mercy. And so I will show you none. (laughs) You forced me to suffer all my life, and now I'll make you all suffer. I've waited a long time for this. I'll give you exactly what you deserve, all of you. All you girls who rejected me and looked down upon me and, you know, treated me like scum while you gave yourselves to other men. And all of you men for living a better life than me. All of you sexually active men. I hate you. I hate all of you. I can't wait to give you exactly what you deserve. Utter annihilation. So for today's caboose, we're going to leave you with a fun little quote from Schitt's Creek. If you were listening to last week's episode in the first 
um i'm gonna say five minutes that it was uploaded you may have realized that it looked like it was like over an hour long and at the very end included <laughs> me quoting moira rose from schitt's creek and it was a complete accident and i delete it but then everybody that i told that i accidentally did that was like why didn't you leave it there <laughs> including us so i am now going to re-recite this if you guys have not seen schitt's creek um, it is a wonderful show. We've probably talked about this before, right? Oh, you yeah. haven't. Yes. Not so on here. it's our favorite show. <laughs> and there is an episode where Catherine O'Hara's character, Moira, she is a washed up daytime actress, daytime TV. Is that daytime what soap. Daytime soap, soap, yeah. And she gets a role in a wine commercial for a winery. And she has a lot of trouble recording it and so she gets really really drunk and this is what it turns into this would this would be me recording right now she also has a weird accent that nobody knows what it is so that's that's what that is it's australian on crack it's not it's like british (laughs) on it's amazing it's (laughs) british on true okay in the lee of a picturesque ridge lies a small unpretentious winery one that pampers its fruit like its own babies. Hi, I'm Moira Rose, and if you like fruit wine as much as I do, then you'll appreciate the craftsmanship and quality of a local vintner who brings the muskmelon goodness to his oak chardonnay and the dazzling peach crabapple to his Riesling Rioja. Come taste the difference good fruit can make in your wine. You'll remember the experience, and you'll remember the name. Herb Erblinger. Bert Herngeif. Herb Herblinger. Bing Livehanger. Livelink. But her cur- burn ah bingo ling fucker <laughs> <laughs> Hey bye mom bye mom bye